Um, as we begin, would you just pray with me? Lord, we pray as we listen to your word and listen to what you have to say to us that we would decrease and that you would increase. Would you reveal your son to us, we pray. Amen. Well, over the past couple of weeks, Christmas and New Year's, hope my wife and I have been getting some gifts and giving them to each other and getting cards in the mail. And I've just been thinking a little bit about personal messages, personal messages. Maybe you've gotten a few in your inbox and in your mailbox, and I just thought I'd share a few, and we could just think about them together and think, which of these is a bit more personal? Which of these best reveals uh, the sender? The first one was an email I got in my inbox from my American financial advisor. And this is what it said. Dear Ben and Hope, may your Christmas be filled with joy and the coming year overflow with all the good things in life. Sincerely, your financial advisor. It actually said his name. But, you know, I thought, well, that's okay. Like, like, it's very kind. It's well-worded. It's thoughtful. But, you know, I don't know how personal it really felt. Uh, so then I kept thinking about it, and one thing that Hope and I are doing for our daughter Gwen is we're keeping a book of messages, marking special occasions, different things she's accomplished, different, uh, like, walking, things like that, and um, birthdays and that kind of thing, so that later in life she can look back at this book and just know how much we love her, she can know when she did certain feats, and uh, can just maybe inherit a little bit of wisdom from us, but as a way of us trying to give, give her uh, some kind of message of our love. That's, that's hopefully pretty good. Maybe some of you think that's, that's good. Uh, but then I thought, well, what would be even better? And I thought, well, actually, I think the most personal message I could possibly give to Gwen in this instance isn't just a letter. It would be to spend time with her. Like on a Saturday morning when we go to the park, that's probably what will most clearly communicate to her or from you to another person uh, your, your love for that person and how much you care about that person. Per personal messages. Now, why am I talking about this? Well, it's because I think our passage today is all about the nature of God's personal message to us. God's personal message to us. And if I'm honest, sometimes... My relationship with God, and maybe if you're honest, sometimes your relationship with God can be a bit more like what I was saying about my financial advisor than what I was saying about me and Gwen going to the park together. Now, I'm going to preface this. I hope there's no financial advisors here. If there are, please don't be insulted. I was just trying to analyze why I didn't think this email was all that uh, important. But as I, as I analyze this, think with me if you've, if you've ever felt this way about Christianity. So of this letter I got, and this email, I thought, you know, this is kind of a formal wish of goodwill, but it's kind of emotionally empty. It kind of keeps up a basically transactional relationship, and I quickly delete it without giving it much thought. And if I'm honest, it's from someone who I don't think that much about, who lives in another part of the world, and who kind of in an abstract way, I really don't even understand, helps me to live a happier life. I know it does, but I'm not quite sure how. I don't know if you can relate to ever relating to God like that. But this message today from John is telling us that God's message to us is different, completely different nature. So as we jump in, and, and this is going to be the first of a series we're going through in the Gospel of John called Come and See, when we come and see Jesus's, the presentation of Jesus so we can encounter him afresh today. But this is, we're going to kick it off today looking at the second half of the first chapter of John, looking at 
Jesus's personal message. What is the personal message? What's the personal invitation in it? And what's the personal promise that he gives us? So to begin, let's look at what this text has to say and what John's gospel has to say about the personal message. And just as to begin, I think one of the core themes, core ideas from John's gospel is that the personal message is Jesus of Nazareth, right? In, in our text, uh, when the disciples have found uh, Jesus and have started following him, they start proclaiming who he is. And we see in verse 45, Philip goes to Nathaniel and he says, we've found him, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And a cover to cover in John, Jesus is presented to us as God's personal message to you and to me. We just came out of Christmas at the beginning of John's gospel. It's a really well-known passage. You've probably heard it before. Maybe you have it memorized by heart. Uh, you can even flip back and, and look at it in John chapter 1, verse 1, and, and this is what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So this familiar Christmas message is ultimately saying that God came in Jesus in order for us to have that personal relationship that the Son already shares with the Father. That's the reason, which is why later in John's Gospel, in uh, chapter 17, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that we live forever in heaven? No, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You put that together, and what this passage and this gospel is saying is that I, John, have recorded eyewitness testimony so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, and through him, you can know God personally. So that, that's a core theme, but we see that all through our passage here. So it's a long one, but it, maybe as we were going through, like me, you were struck by all the different ways the spotlight was put on Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the main character, main attraction. I mean, he's really an attraction throughout. Everyone is pointing to him. Everyone is saying, come and see, and they're following after him, and they're discovering him, and then they're sharing him. And what I was struck by most is all the titles used about Jesus. I don't know if you caught all the titles. He, Jesus is called the Lamb of God, God's chosen one, Rabbi, Messiah. I love this one in verse 45 the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, which is basically a longhand way of saying the one the whole Old Testament points to has arrived. He's on stage. The spotlight is on him. That's not it. Son of God, King of Israel, and the one Jesus used to refer to himself, Son of Man. Now, if you want to be here to midnight, I would happily preach a sermon on each of these, but I'm assuming we don't want to do that. So just to summarize all those titles, which we need to look at more in depth together, it's saying that Jesus is the one sent by God to overcome all of the things, all the forces that keep us from relationship with the Father, namely sin and evil. 
And Jesus has come to deal with those things so that we can have that personal relationship with the Father. Now, Ben, this is kind of Christianity 101. You know, why, why does this matter? Like, why, why spend a whole sermon about the personal message of Jesus? And the reason why I think it is extremely important for us, especially at the beginning of a new year when we're thinking about habits and our, and our relationships and what we want to do this year, it's really important because all of us, whether you're thinking about it, and even more so if you're not thinking about it, have a way that we think we connect with God. We have a way that we think God is going to evaluate us or welcome us or accept us, a way that we're going to know Him. You might think of it like a ladder or a staircase that whatever it is for you, you have to climb that ladder to be in relationship with God. We all have something. Uh, even, even Christians like, like us, uh, we might know the right answers. You might know what I'm going to say in this sermon, but I still think it's one thing to know that Jesus is our personal message from God through whom we have a relationship with him. And it's another thing to functionally live that out and not fall into these other staircases or ladders. So one of them would be, it's through what you know, right? Maybe you think, like, oh, if I just study my Bible and the more theology I know, maybe I'm in ordinary training at Ridley or whatever it is, uh, that the, the more I study the Bible, I will be closer to God. And that's how I, I know I'm going to be right with him. Don't know if you've ever fallen to that. Another way would be behavior. You know, if I just I just become a really nice person, then God has to accept me. You know, if I, if I go to church, you guys can all check that one off. You know, if I give, maybe you can check that one off. Uh, if I do all these things, then God is going to accept me. Maybe there's, a, there's others of us here who, you, maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you don't even know if there is a personal God of the universe, but maybe you think there's a truth or a power or something out there. Even you would have some way that you'd want to connect with that being, you know, Disney movies taught me growing up, it's by looking within. But there's, there's some way of connecting. And what John is doing here is he is demolishing those staircases, saying, no, none of those ways are how we can have that personal relationship with God. Now, I quickly need to say, please don't hear me saying that we shouldn't study our Bibles. I think it is hugely important. And as we do read the Word, we will come to know God better. And I do think it's really important to come to church and that our behavior flows out of that relationship that we have with God. There should be a parody there. What I am saying, what I think Jesus is saying as the, the message himself sent from God is that those can't be the primary way. It can't, those can't be the basis of our relationship with God and, because when they do, we're getting it backwards. Those things should flow out of our relationship with Jesus. So what's, what's the application here? I just think at the beginning of this year, it's a good time for all of us to have a little spiritual physio, our annual checkup, and, and to ask ourselves, is our faith personal? Is our faith personal? When we have a quiet time with the Lord in the morning, does it feel more like uh, for our students or for those who have been students, like you're studying for an exam, like you're in a textbook? Or does it feel more like you just went to Nero's with a friend? Right? Or maybe it's when um, just the way that we treat God in our prayer, is it more like an advisor out there who we're going to ask to help us manage different areas of our life or to give us something? Or is our prayer life um, that, but also praise and adoration 
and just worshiping him, getting to know him, being in the Spirit's presence. I, this is not meant to be judgmental. They all, I need to hear this. I think we all need to hear this. It's just a checkup to help us reorient to what's the focus, what's, what do we, what's the functional basis of our relationship with God. And for anyone here who's undecided about Jesus, maybe you're here with your family or you, you just come in tonight and you're thinking, well, I'm, I don't know what I make about Jesus. I think, I think what Jesus would say is he'd ask you, have you said no to the real Jesus? Or is the God or is the Jesus that you've said no to a knockoff who, who you think says, well, you, have, you really have to behave, once you behave well enough, when, once you've done enough good, then we can talk. Or, you know, I think, I think you've messed up a bit too much. I don't think you're going to be welcome into this, into this club. Have, have we said no? Because the real Jesus himself comes and invites you into your personal relationship, not based on any of those things, but based on his invitation. So the first thing we see in this passage is that God has sent us a personal message in Jesus of Nazareth. And the second thing is that he's given us each a personal invitation. A personal invitation. It's one thing to have a relationship with Jesus, but it's another to heed his invitation. What is that invitation? Well, as we see throughout this passage, is to follow him, to, to be a disciple of Jesus. If you look with me at verse 37, in the opening bit, John has given testimony that Jesus is the, the Son of God. He is Messiah. He's the one on whom the Spirit has descended. And for the second time now, he said, look, the Lamb of God. So in verse 37, two of John the Baptist's disciples heard John the Baptist say this, and they decide to follow Jesus. And they kind of tail him around King's Parade, and they, you know, they go down to Lion Yard, and they go up Mirror Road, and they're just following Jesus because they're, they're curious. And then Jesus at one point sees them following him, and maybe like we would do, he turns around and says, why are you following me? You know, I was trying to think, well, what, what would this be like? And I, I don't know if this would ever happen, but imagine if King Charles was walking down King's Parade. I think I might start following him, and I'd be, I'd be curious what's going on. And at some point, King Charles or maybe his security would turn around and say, what, what are you doing? What's, what's your motive here? What, why are you doing this? You would do it too. And, and that's what's happening in this passage. They're, they're curious about Jesus, and they, and they want to follow him. And look at what Jesus says back. In verse 39, he says, come, and you will see. So he invites them to come to observe, to follow. And this is the beginning of him calling them to be his disciples. Now, what is a disciple? You might know. A disciple is a student. And I know that um, our students um, are, are quite quite uh, busy. I was just talking to a few of our ARU students who are about to begin some placement, and uh, the, you know, their midwifery program is super intense, and you have like six or seven weeks off in a year, something like that. This is even more intense. It's even more intense, because they, these disciples actually live with their rabbi. It's not just an academic endeavor. It's a holistic one, and you learn everything from, from your rabbi that you're following. These guys are already disciples. They're disciples of John the Baptist. But now he's pointed to Jesus, and they're interested in following him because he is the Lamb of God. So Jesus, in this story, that's a historical account being recorded for us to read, is inviting Andrew and the unnamed disciple, probably John the Gospel writer, to follow him. But it's presented to us because Jesus is inviting us as well. This is an invitation not just for these disciples. It's also an invitation for us. Now, what does it look like to accept this invitation? 
I actually think it's drastically different than when they said yes to following John the Baptist. It's one thing to follow uh, a human teacher. Uh, and I think, I think the, the best example we see today of something approximating like a rabbi relationship, I actually think it's a coach. A coach is someone who can tell you that, you, that you're going to have to do hard workouts, you're going to have to push yourself, and yet even though you don't want to, you're going to, you're going to do that thing. But, but Jesus is on a whole nother level. And why is that? And I think one, one verse that I was looking at preparing for this that really brings us home is actually if you flip back to John chapter 1, in that familiar Christmas passage, do you remember what verse 3 says about Jesus? It says, through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Why is becoming a disciple of Jesus on a whole other paradigm, a whole other level than following a human rabbi, a human teacher, a human coach? It's because he's the creator of the universe. You don't just invite the creator of the universe into your life and say, well, I want to take what you say on advice. Like, I have all these different sources, all these different friends and people who are going to pour into me, and I just want you to be one of them so that when you tell me how I should live in this area or that area or what, or what I should do with my money, I'll just take it under consideration. That's not at all how we can treat God. Instead of inviting him as a planet orbiting around us, he needs to become the center of our universe. So I actually think what discipleship to Jesus is most marked by making him the most important priority in our life. And we know we're making him that most important priority when we love and trust and resemble him more than anything else. We love and trust and resemble him more than anyone else. And that's, that's what these disciples are beginning here and what we see throughout the, the Gospel of John, but it's an invitation to us as well today. And, and what does that most look like? Uh, what's, what, what's a clear way that we can see that in our lives? It would be obedience. It would be, am I, am I willing to go when Jesus says go? Am I willing to follow when he says come? That involves leaving something behind. These disciples left behind John the Baptist, their previous teacher, a different center of their life, a different orientation. And now Jesus is calling us to do the same thing. Or maybe if, you, if, you're, if you've already done this before uh, and you're coming here tonight already as a Christian, maybe it's, it's a challenge to just check and say, am I still oriented towards Jesus? Am I, am I obeying him as one indicator, like an, a light on your dashboard, that, I'm, that he's actually at the center of my life? And another implication I think that making Jesus the center of your life has is that you can't not talk about him. I mean, this passage is just dripping with, with the disciples pointing to Jesus. Every single person in this, in this passage comes to Jesus because someone else has told them about him, right? We have John the Baptist in the beginning who's gone this testimony from God, the Father, about who Jesus is, pointing to him. And then Andrew and I think John, the disciples, start following him because of John, John the Baptist's witness. And then Andrew gets convinced, so he goes to his brother Simon and says, Simon, bro, you got to come with me. We, we found the Messiah. And then later, Andrew and Jesus go to another town and they find Philip and they call Philip, and then Philip is so persuaded of who Jesus is that he then goes and he finds Nathaniel. Nathaniel doesn't know what to make of it, but he still comes. So everyone here comes, and I just think that's true for us too. So what does it look like for us to, to live this out? Like, what, what does it look like? Well, I think one way we can do this is corporately. Like, how can we as a church 
work together to invite others to meet Jesus, to know him, to, to share what he's done in our life and to, to talk about him. Well, I'm not going to try and redo the notices from before, but there's some pretty good application in there. I mean, one of them is, is the Alpha course. And like, are we inviting friends to come to that? Or are we helping to pitch in to make it possible that we as a community can have this space where people can invite their friends and, go, and come with their friends to talk about Jesus? And another way would be the 345 service that we're launching. Like, that is about making space for new people to come who wouldn't fit on a busy 9.30 morning when we were full and just packed to, to the walls. How, how can we help either at the 345 service or here at the 530 service or uh, at different times of the day to make space for people to come in? So we can do this corporately, but I also want to really emphasize that this is something we should be doing individually. I mean, this whole passage is about friendships and relationships and people going to those that they know. And I, my question for you would be, is, is there someone in your life who, who you're friends with, neighbors with, siblings with, coworkers with, who you could share who Jesus is and what he's done in your life with? So I'll leave you with that question. So we have a personal message. We have a personal invitation. And finally, we have a personal promise from Jesus. Because at this point, we could, we could leave this passage thinking that what it's saying to us is we've been given a personal message, Jesus, through whom we know God, but we have to make sure that we keep him in the center of our life. And if we don't, then we're, we're not going to have that relationship. We've kind of been given this new ladder, this new staircase that we have to climb, except now instead of it being you know, behaving well, it's, well, how, how much am I sharing my faith? How much am I keeping Jesus at the center? And there's this remarkable promise at the end of our passage that I actually think is key to see, so we don't leave with that impression. It comes at the end, and it's in verse 49. Nathaniel, maybe like someone here, is a bit skeptical about this whole message, and yet he's, he's open-minded, and he goes with his friend Philip to Jesus because he's willing to explore. He has his doubts, but he's willing to explore. So they go, and Jesus has said, I saw you under a fig tree. We don't know what that was, but I can just imagine if it was a, mov if it was a movie, what this text is saying is his, his eyes got huge. Like, how did you know Jesus about this? Something really personal, something really significant. We don't know what it is, but it convinced Philip that Jesus was of, of another paradigm. And in verse 49, Nathanael says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And here's the key uh, uh, two verses for us to take away for the promise. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, this is a promise taken from Genesis 28 when Jacob, one of the patriarchs of the Israelites, had this vision of God who appeared to him, and there was this ladder, this staircase descending from heaven, and on it, there was, there was angels coming up and down, and it was the way to heaven. And we, there's really no resolution to that image until here. And now Jesus is saying, that picture, that, that portal where heaven breaks in and God's glory becomes manifest around us is me. Like, I'm the ladder. I'm the stairway. And he's saying, if you want to see God's glory break into your life, then come follow me. 
Just imagine if the disciples had said no at this point. And they said, well, it's really interesting, your pedigree and who you say you are, but I, 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 don't, I don't buy it. And they missed everything that comes in the Gospel of John, all of the signs that Jesus performs. They would have missed Jesus breaking down ethnic and racial barriers that their culture couldn't handle. They would have missed God demonstrating his power through Jesus over the chaotic forces in their world. They would have missed Jesus healing uh, the sick and the dying, and even raising Lazarus to life. And even more impressively, bringing faith to those who are spiritually blind and spiritually dead. They would have missed that. And I think what Jesus would say to us is, like, what, what would you miss? Like, I have so much that I want to do. I, God wants to break in to your life and our life as a church and, and do these things and do greater things yet. And do we want to miss out on what he could be doing in our life, whether it's fixing a relationship that we never thought we could have reconciliation in, or maybe it was it's, it's a health situation in your life or a friend's life that you just thought, ah, I, don't, I don't see any way out of this. Or maybe it's for the first time having an experience of God's presence around you. We don't want to miss out on that, but we have an invitation and a promise that if we follow, God will reveal himself through Christ. But the, the fullest fulfillment of Jesus's promise here isn't any of those miracles or signs that he's done, but it's his death and his resurrection and his ascension. Because it's in that moment that he says, I've lived the life you should have lived. I've died the death you should have died. Even though as my disciple, you should be treating others better than yourself. You're not, but I did. And even though you should be keeping God the Father at the center of your life, and you don't always, but I did, and I've done that so that you, having faith in me, could, could receive that as well, and you can also become sons and daughters of the living God. And the promise here is that even though the invitation is calling you to this high standard of, of being a disciple, full-time student of Jesus, that Jesus has already gone ahead and done it for you. So we can receive Today, we can, we can recommit today to this personal message, Jesus, and say, I want to follow you, and I, I, want to, I want to trust, I want to love, I want to resemble you, but thank you, Lord, that you've already done this in Christ for me, so I know you'll bring this to fruition. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your son so that we might have that personal relationship with you. And I just pray over each of us now that you would apply this where we need it in our hearts. And would you be at work in us as we follow you so that we can see your glory and that we can better love and trust and resemble you this year. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.